0: Welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. I have a special guest with me today. I have Miss Jennifer Hutton, aka Dr. J. Pop. <laughs> hey, Jay. Hey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, I'm super excited. I'm excited too. So, Dr. J. Pop's specialty is pediatric physical therapy, and we haven't even dove into this topic yet on the podcast. So I'm really excited to talk about pediatrics and people's children.
1: Yeah, that All right. makes me happy too. <laughs>
0: yeah, so give us a rundown. Why did you become a PT? Why did you get into pediatrics?
1: Yeah, so I am the oldest of 14 grandchildren. And when I was 16, the youngest was born, three months premature, um, had his NICU stay for three months. And so when he came back, he had to go through all of the therapies, speech, OT, PT, um, and, of course, he didn't get diagnosed till he was about two with cerebral palsy. So I kind of got, got to watch his progress over those two years and then really followed his journey closely after that. Um, went to a lot of his sessions um, with the family, went to some of his intensive therapy sessions in Michigan, and... Knew I wanted to do something movement related. I think I started off with the exercise physiology interest and then kinesiology. um, And then my last observation experience with him was intensive in Michigan. And I said, This is it. This is exactly what I want to do. Um, It's movement related. I get to work with children and I love kids. Um, And I love kids with special needs, of course, because they're near and dear to my heart. So combining all of that. I just said, okay, PEDS, PT, it is. Um, I graduated in 2008 from Lumeland University, came back home to Nashville, Tennessee, worked in adult outpatient ortho for two and a half years, and then kind of had a little love relationship with ortho (laughs) (laughs) and got to combine it all at Vanderbilt Children's Rehab um, a couple years later. So I got to see ortho, developmental, neuro, oncology, everything that walks through the door.
0: Yeah. So that's yeah physical therapy is tricky. I mean, it can, you oh, can get pulled into orthopedics or adults or kids, or women's health, you know.
1: And I always laugh when, I, when people go into it, their students, and they say, oh, I'm going to do ortho or I'm going to do sports. And I'm like, yeah. A lot of people thought that. And then Good once worry. they start to actually observe and work in those different settings, you see how much of a difference you can make and with other populations wow. so I love to see that transition too for yeah. students
0: well and I started in peds I went to PT school yeah. thinking I was going to do peds for my entire career and I did for several years and I loved it but then I found them and self yep So yep. passions can change but there's a lot and of things
1: exactly so
0: tell our listeners what pediatric physical therapists do because people might not even know that this is a thing
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, most people, when I say it, they say, oh, so when a kid breaks their leg, they come and see you. Um, but it, depending on your setting, you can pretty much be a jack of all trades just in the pediatric population. So you can work with those kids in the NICU um, on positioning, on different reflex integrations, and then you can move into those kids with special needs. You can work with kids that are delayed in reaching their milestones. So they're typically developing. They just need a little bit help getting to each milestone. And then you have your older population of kids with special needs. Those are the ones that tend to have episodes of care. They go through a growth spurt. They hit a lot of goals. Then they take a break. They hit another growth spurt and they have to come back. Um, Then you also have your ortho population. So those are your kids that do break their arm, break their leg. Um, ACL repairs so if it's a child and you are in an outpatient setting you will likely see it
0: all yeah yeah are there certain diagnoses you see most commonly
1: well the most I would say the most I didn't say popular that's not the right word but the most common movement disorder is cerebral palsy so that's likely going to be the one you see the most Um, I Saw a lot of kids with arthrogryposis, okay. and so that's when they have different contractures in their joints, and so they can either be in in wheelchairs or they can be ambulatory. But there's usually parts of their body that start to develop contractures, mm-hmm. um, so they tend up to see PT and OT, um, and then speech for feeding. And then I, in my ortho population, I saw a lot of back pains and neck pains, really, um, and knee and knee pain, and usually it's. My body grew faster than, than you show My bones grew faster than my tissues. And so everything is tight or I'm all over the place because I don't really know this body. So I play soccer and I injured myself. So those are, obviously that's the most common in a day that I would see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I have a 13 year old soccer player. Yeah. Those no, are, are my things. With the long bones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: All her coaches are like she needs to go see an orthopedist. I'm like I'm a PT. I got this.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Soccer players, gymnasts, and and dancers. Mm. Those would be the most common, uh, the most common ones that I saw.
0: Yeah. So yeah. The pediatric physical therapy is really just birth to what 18? You'd say
1: roughly? 19. Birth to 19, depending on where they are in school too. So if they're like 2021 20, and they're still in high school. Um, Because of cognitive deficits, then we'll see them as well. But typically, after 21, we're transitioning them to adult care, which is hard. (laughs) It's hard because, especially if you've seen them for years. I think I had a 23-year-old, but it was simply because he's still being treated in children's hospital for his diagnosis that we still got to see him. And I was like, I don't really want to let you go, but. But you have to. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's tough. You do get attached and you see children through their lifespan because they grow and they change.
1: Or and and they you're you're part of the team. Tough. Yeah. You are you become, especially if you get them when when you're young, you're seeing that kid one, two, three times a week and if mm-hmm. they have special needs, you're helping parents with equipment, you're helping them with school choices. So you become a part of that family get invited to birthday parties, and I went to a dance recital a couple months ago. (laughs) You just get adopted.
0: You do. You You know, uh, just thinking about peds, um, certain diagnoses are easily referred to pediatric physical therapy, and then there are Mm -hmm. some who don't get referred who maybe should. I'm thinking about that developmental delay kind of category maybe.
1: Yeah. But they don't have That's a diagnosis they.
0: yet. And they've been O-walkers going to too. well visit checkups and they're well, there's nothing wrong with them per se. Like how yeah. do you educate these parents? Hey, you might need to take a closer look or see a pediatric PT.
1: What I have found in the last couple of years is the online space mm. is what's helpful for those parents. Um, they, have a hashtag actually on Instagram, parents of Instagram and parents will follow that and they'll see all of the activities that the kids should be doing, the milestones that they should be hitting. So parents end up being their kid's advocate, even though that's what you're supposed to be, but you end up being your kid's advocate for the care. Um, the problem comes in when your primary care physician is like, Oh, they're fine. They're okay. And I always tell parents, push, that's your child. You have a right to any type of medical care. So ask for that order. You don't even have to ask for permission. You ask for that order and then you can take your child. But that's why I push Pete therapist. like, if you want to start putting information out there, do it because parents are looking for the correct information. And I've had friends who have come to me and I've seen, hey, I think maybe you need to see someone, not a doctor, but like a physical therapist because there's some things going on. So I would just suggest you get a referral and they will listen. It's hard. Definitely. That is very hard to, to that conversation, but they listen to you. So I, I would love to say it's on the doctor's part and there's some that are awesome about it, but until you see more of it, you're less likely to say, oh yeah, they just need PT for a couple of months. So I think it's on us and on us and then on the parents to advocate.
0: Yeah. I mean, I saw that with my youngest. She had a tongue tie and mm-hmm. I, she wasn't nursing well. And I was like, you know, I knew something was wrong. She was my third child. Like, I'm like, I've done this before. I'm not even to be at this. And I went to the pediatrician who was like, oh, there's no tongue tie. There's nothing there. And my gut was just like, ah, oh. like we got to listen to our gut as parents. And yep. sure enough, she had tongue ties and lip ties and we had them revised and she was great. And so yeah. sometimes the fix can be super simple. Like you said, it might just be a little bit of therapy. Just it really is. Of get them over the hump and teach them strategies.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. So All I right. think the more that we put information out there for parents, the better they will be able to advocate for their kids.
0: Yeah. I know myself as a physical therapist, sometimes I think, Oh, well everybody knows this, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, why do I put that out there? Everybody knows that, but they, they don't. And so I think you're right. We have to educate as professionals. Yes, yeah. definitely. Tell us some of the great things about working with kids.
1: Um, the great things, one, of course, that you become part of the family, because mm-hmm. it's awesome to watch your these, this kid reach their goals, and the parents get excited, and then when the kids get old enough to realize what's going on, the kids get excited, and they set goals for themselves, that is just the most amazing feeling. When a child comes into a session and says, I want to work on jumping today, I'm like, we're going to work on jumping then, because... <laughs> that's something that you want to be able to do. I'm going to put it in our plan of care. Um, I think also just the fact that kids are so honest, (laughs) it makes for comedy. Like the days, the things that have been done, like I've had kids hit me on the butt during sessions and say, Hey baby, because it's something they've seen their parents do. Um, Or I had one kid who just said, "Miss Jennifer, you are wearing me out. She was six. Like she didn't even know what that meant, but (laughs) (laughs) she knew the context to use it in um I think those are like my two favorites watching a child progress and then the comedy that they bring to my life uh it's just it's absolutely but then they're inspirational Mm -hmm. those kids with special needs there's nothing like their resilience there's nothing like their ability to to fall and get back up and keep trying so I, I think those will be my top three yeah
0: and you just get to play all day basically
1: it was funny though People say that, they're like, oh, you're playing. And I had a friend whose kid has cerebral palsy call me the other week and she said, I had no clue what you guys were doing in sessions, but I've been trying to recreate it at home and I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm, so I'm like, it's so much fun to do the activities, but depending on the like, assistance needed during the play, you are, I am worn out by the end of the day.
0: You have to be creative.
1: Yes, that that that's the, that's also fun because it, it I'm never bored. I will literally take a kid to a toy closet and say, "Hey, um, pick out a toy and I'll make it I'll make it fun and functional somehow." So it, it keeps me on my toes.
0: I learned that early on when I would like plan my activities and then you know I think thought I had it all planned out and then I'd get there and they were like, "No, broke it. not <laughs> do any of it." And You're like, "Oh no." <laughs> so that you're so proud up. of
1: yourself ah, yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> right you have to throw the plans out the window sometimes so that brings us to the hard part then I think that's the hard part you think things are going to go a certain way and they don't but what else is hard about working with kids
1: um I, those days are hard when they have no interest in what they're doing mm-hmm. and what you've provided for them to do um those days when they realize how hard things are for them those are also hard days that's when you hear the I just wish I was normal I wish it wasn't this hard that is a very hard conversation that you have to have with them but you have to be able to have it (laughs) you have to be able to be able to connect with them and they understand this person is here for me so even when she's pushing me she's here for me on my low days but it's always hard and then it's it's Hard to have those conversations with the parents, um, saying, "I know that you want your child to be able to do this, but this is the likelihood of us being able to. It's just going to look different." And them having to mourn movement. I mean, this is a it's a process, just like we're doing this with with quarantine, mourning our own plans. Parents mourn the expectations that they had of, of what their child will be able to do, and every time you hit that roadblock, that process starts all over again. So to watch them go through it and and help them through it, it it can be hard emotionally um, on us. And then physically, you're (laughs) tired all the time. And then sometimes you get peed on, you get thrown up on, you get spit up on, you just you can't wear cute clothes the clinic. You can't wear cute clothes when you're working with children. You just don't know what's going to come out of their little bodies. It
0: <laughs> I got lice when I was working with pediatrics. No. And I never <laughs> had it as a child. And then I get it as an adult. <laughs> yeah, you never know. It doesn't work with any age group. Any of that. That's true. The gross stuff can happen. But I really love that you touched on just that. Connection that you have to make with the parents and tell them the hard stuff. Sometimes, I mean, that does make you a part of the team, though. Then they can trust oh, yes, you when you're honest. And yes. it's not easy to have those conversations, but think of how necessary that is.
1: Definitely. And then educating them. Um, uh, I think I've had conversations with parents of kids with CP about tone and spasticity and and muscle tightness, and I've had those conversations over and over again. And I've learned how to perfect how I say it so that they can start to see it in their daily life. like Yeah, they they could stand on one leg before, and now they can't. Or they can go up the stairs, but today's really hard. Today's a bad day. It's okay. Tomorrow might be better. Next week may be even better than that. But for them to be able to understand what's going on with their child's body, that's so important.
0: Yeah. Or I've had parents tell me, oh, they're just fighting me. And they're not. It's a tone issue. And the child isn't trying to be difficult. That's hard. Yeah,
1: I have had some when you're close, you can have those come to Jesus meetings with the parents. And I've had some where the parents were really hard on the child yeah. and because they love them. It was nothing bad, but it was just they're not doing it. They can. I'm like, They can. But just not today. And I need you to chill. <laughs> and I've said, you can go out and watch from the hallway until you can get it together. Just like I treat the children. Um, cause you do have to establish that role with them as well. Like, I know I want you to be here. I want you to be a part of it, but my goal is for the child. And so I need you to be able to come in and out as you can.
0: Yeah. I think that's important. Sometimes we do have to separate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. That's a lot. Honestly, you have a hard job. <laughs> I know. Little so people
1: say, you get to play all day. I'm like, yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a lot harder than that. Yeah, it really is. And then they meet a milestone, and then what happens? They grow and get older, right? Oh my
1: <laughs> and then they can't.
0: And then you start to me- or, yeah.
1: Or they get to that age group where I don't want to wear the braces hmm. because I look different. Um, I've been in physical therapy since I was a little baby. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Um, so when you hear those kind of thoughts start coming out, It's sad because sometimes you actually have to take a break for their mental capacity, for their emotional health. Even if you know physically, you could be doing a lot more right now, but you're not here and you're old enough for me to be able to tell you that. So you can either get your head in the game or we can take a break. You can do some things at home and then we can revisit it. Um, But there's so many because they're growing and they're growing in body and in mind. Yeah. So you're having to play within all of those spaces. It's, it's a lot, but it's, it's rewarding. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it.
0: But you know what, that's, and it's so cliche, but that's holistic healthcare right there is understanding they may need a break. Yes. And that's okay. That's how you get them better. Yes. And I just threw my pan across the room.
1: <laughs> you just catch the spirit. <laughs>
0: I'm fired up about Peds. I love it. I do. I do. You know, and I have such a different perspective now. When I treated Peds, I didn't have children. Yes. And now I have three. And so, like, seeing kind of all of that. And I had a premium. My first one was born early. And so, of course, I had done Peds. So then I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, she's born, and she's four pounds. And here I am mm-hmm. doing all the brushing and joint compression. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm going to prevent it all, you know, you think. But <laughs> –
1: I've definitely seen, I had some of my PT friends put their kids in therapy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Again, I didn't do that, honestly, but I get (laughs) it. You want to be on top of things, but all parents do. You know, we all want our parents or our children to be successful people, definitely, whatever that means.
1: And Um, as a PT, you want to set them up for greatness.
0: mm -hmm. One of the struggles that I had was when children would come to me, I felt bad for the occupational therapist. Uh as the parents would always say, I want them to walk and talk or walk or talk. There was either a priority. It was kind of weighted, but those were the two like milestones that parents cared about. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we all know that there are developmental stages before the walking even. So just um, kind of pulling that out. Do you see people who are, you know, like, Oh, my child walked and never crawled. And how do you address those types of things?
1: Definitely. I, I will say if they do skip certain milestones and those milestones are going to be extremely important down the line, then I may not say, well, we're going to teach them how to crawl, but we're definitely getting in quadruped and we're definitely doing some exercises in quadruped. So uh, my belief is even if you skip the stage, you have to be comfortable in that position because at some point, your movement that you will be doing in life will require you to be stable there. So I'm, I'm a big a push to get them back in those positions, even when they're older. I mean, I've had a lot of kids come in with knee pain. My first question is, when did they start walking? Were they toe walkers? Because like, I need to see what did our developmental pattern look like that got us here, especially if there's no trauma or injury. Um, and if it's not just they've grown super fast, then there was something in there that we might have missed that we need to address. Um, What I loved about the setting I worked in was we had such a team approach with all of the therapists. So we would talk to the parents together. It was PT and it was OT and yes, you want them to walk and talk, but you need to know that a lot of our stuff is working together. So maybe today she's working on sensory and I'm working on a lot of gross motor. Um, So I, I, I love that team approach when it comes to, so, and then it, the parent starts to value both when they see, oh, they're here for PTOT and speech. I'm just going to sit here in the waiting room. When they see everybody communicating and and deciding what those goals are together, they value each part of that child's rehab experience.
0: Yeah, I agree, and they they need all components. Most children, unless they are there for just an orthopedic reason, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have a favorite diagnosis or age group or specialty?
1: I think simply because of what sparked me getting into therapy, CP is my absolute fave.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolute fave. Um, My my cousin's doctor, primary care, told my aunt, he's never going to walk. Just make sure he gets in a wheelchair and he'll be fine. And he didn't know who he was talking to because she, of course, was like, yeah, okay, that's nice. We're going to do everything in our power. And he is walking around a college campus at 22 years old. Ah. He has a scooter because, you know, there's hills and and steps and stuff that he can't maneuver all day long due to endurance. But she pushed for him. And so when I hear parents come in and say, well, they told me that my kid would never do X, Y, Z. Like, and I'm here to prove everybody wrong. We're both here to prove everybody wrong. Now I'll be real with you when I think this is going to be a hard milestone that we might have to modify, Mm -hmm. but I'm here to push the boundaries because you really, nobody knows what the body is capable of. Nobody, not one doctor, not one PT, nobody knows what the body is capable of. So we keep pushing until we say, okay, I think this is where we are for now. And then we might come back and push again.
0: That's so important because kids are number one, resilient, Whew. but they have <laughs> also got that neuroplasticity. So they're changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day there's more input coming in. And yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen like very young preemies, 26 weekers who end up being what we would consider normal, you know, later I have, on. I had you
1: know? one girl, my probably one of my first kids um, was on the list for a heart transplant she had spent the first 11 months of her life in the hospital, hmm. sounds- the first 11 months. And by the time she was two, she was walking, running, going up and down stairs, hitting her sisters on the head, like nothing ever happened to her. I mean, she definitely had some some deficits that had to be worked through, but if you would have told me that's where we were gonna get, <laughs> then like uh, the first day, yeah, I don't know, but we're gonna work, but I don't know. So to see some of those is just mind blowing.
0: Yeah. I mean, kids are kids. They just want to play.
1: They do. That's their goal. I mean, they tell you when you're a PE therapist, your goal is to be able to get a kid to play. Because that's how they're going to discover their environment and what they're capable of. So that's what I'm trying to get you to.
0: When I was, you had to do, you know, volunteer hours to get into PT school. So Mm -hmm. I volunteered because I lived in Memphis at St. Jude Children's Hospital, Mm -hmm. which And I was in, obviously, it's a pediatric hospital, and I was in the rehab department. At this point in my life, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a PT. I was kind of waffling between psychology and PT. But I went in, and I didn't have any brothers or sisters. Here I'm an only child around all these kids. I've never babysat. I didn't even really know, like, what to expect. But I thought it was going to be heartbreaking to see these children with cancer. And it wasn't. They had hard yeah. days. They totally had hard days. Definitely. They just wanted to play. And the second they felt a little bit better, they're ready to play. Like, it was yes. amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, It's
0: part of the parents. You know, yes, that's the definitely. hard part is seeing the parents because we've lived a little bit of life. And we know we have more on our uh, plate than playing. <laughs> <I> mean, definitely. <laughs> but I just...
1: Perspective for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that just showed me that children ultimately want to have fun, and it doesn't matter how sick they are or what disabilities they have. They want to drive however they can. Yeah,
1: it's their driving force, and that—that that used to be what people said. I couldn't work with kids with, um, as a PT because it would break my heart to see them every day. And I laugh, and like, yep. but when you see that same kid that you thought broke your heart, throw a tantrum on the floor because you won't let them do something, you start to lose a little bit of yeah. <laughs> You realize, oh, you're, you're a kid just like the rest
0: of them. <laughs> They're all the same. <laughs> all right. So what do you have on the horizon? Ooh. I you have a lot.
1: I know. <laughs> you're my accountability partner for whatever. <laughs> So, um, for last year, I decided I want to start creating more course content on Instagram. I've shared a lot about the kids that I see and the reason that I choose certain treatments. Um, and I started to teach for rock tape in 2018 and that just opened up a different world and being able to help people understand things and serve them through education I didn't know that that was something that I would enjoy. So, that being said, I have started working on a course that is specifically for that entry-level PEDS PT or PTA who is trying to formulate their own pattern for assessment and evaluation. So the goal of the course is to say, hey, I know that you haven't taken PEDS in a very long time. You probably only got like eight to 12 weeks of it here are all of the categories you should be looking at and here's why they're important and here's how they all fit together um so basically just an assessment and evaluation course and then with Rocktape, um i'm actually starting a course called pete's toolbox and it is going to be more of the intervention style so because i do work for rock tape i get to use their tools And if you look at research, there's not a whole lot on cupping kids or I stim with kids or flossing kids. So I get to take the concepts of using that tool and apply them to my my population. And it's just like, oh, man, there's more than just that ball that they can play with. There's huh. maybe a vibration foam roller that starts to stimulate awareness and gives them another sensory input and blah, 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 So I just would get excited and it's like, okay, I need to put it in a course. Um, so that where I'm filming in June and it should be coming out hopefully third or fourth quarter. Um, I'm also going to start coaching. And mentoring. Okay.
0: Stop I think- there. I want to go back to the rock tape for a second.
1: Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
0: Um, because rock tapes, not just for physical therapists, it's for other movement professionals oh, or massage therapists. Yeah. So yes. these tools can be used by other people. I have a lot of healthcare professionals who listen to the podcast who aren't necessarily PTs, but oh, yeah. they're disciplined. So what you're going to teach in these pediatric courses can be used by other people.
1: Most definitely. I mean, that's what, in the courses, we've got massage therapists, we've got ATCs, we've got personal trainers, we've got coaches of track teams and football teams and they're working at high school. So, and, and it has been beautiful for me because it's allowed me to have a window into what they have to do. So yeah. now when I teach those populations, I'm like, oh yeah, so I, I know that you have to do X, Y, Z. Here's how this could fit into what you have to do um and, and that has been great cuz like oh it's not just pt it's ot it's massage it's everything so yes what i'm teaching it won't just be applicable to to physical therapists it's to movement professionals That's and awesome. if you look at all of my stuff it says i'm here for P's movement professionals so yeah definitely
0: good i just wanted to clarify that
1: oh, Please. People I appreciate know you. that. you're for there. Because, <laughs> yeah
0: okay appreciate so let's go you. into your coaching which i'm super excited about, Tell
1: yes. us about okay so um I have been doing it for free, basically. (laughs) I've been coaching and mentoring it for free, and I don't mind it. Absolutely. Like, I love it. But I decided I wanted to actually structure that coaching and mentorship and that my population was entry-level PEDs, PTs, or those PEDs, PTs, and those who are switching to that profession or to that uh, demographic and are like, I've been working with adults for however many years. I don't know where to start. So my coaching is specifically for entry-level to entry to P's, PTs, um, and PTAs.
0: I love it. I think that's great and so needed.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) Because
0: we don't get a lot in PT school. You become a general practitioner. You learn a little bit of everything. So even if you're in clinicals, you know, it's still.
1: And I think in some population, I mean, you have to go learn on the go Mm -hmm. in any setting. But what I started to recognize with some of the PTs coming in, while well-intentioned, they were not being set up for success. So they weren't allowed to have mentorship or somebody to guide them. It was just, well, you can ask us questions anytime. And that is hard because if, if there is something that you could do at this stage that sets that kid up for success down the line, it's important. If I have a kid with CP and I don't start addressing hip position at a certain age, maybe down the line, they actually have dislocated hips when I could have been looking at that earlier. So those are the things that were super important to me that said, you know what, like, I just, I want to offer it. I want to help. I want to serve so that they can help kids just like I like to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. So are you going to be doing any treating going forward or just sort of? coaching? yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) So you guys, you're actually going to get the scoop because I haven't announced this anywhere on any platform at all, I quit my job right before
0: (laughs) corona. Yay. Of course. (laughs) The things we don't know at the time, right?
1: you know, (laughs) but my plan was I have a place that I will be treating out out of when it is safe to be outside again. Um, And I was just going to get out there and start telling people. And I already had patients that I had been working with and it. i was ready and this just said okay you have to shift <laughs> shift yeah. your mindset and so it's now i've been able to focus more on the course and the coaching and everything else so that will actually probably be on its way as i get out and start getting into the community and treating again but no treating will never die for me um it it gives me life it really does i'm, I'm still love educating that's going to be awesome going forward but Treating is what helps me stay relevant. So yeah. you, until the day I can get on the floor, <laughs> <laughs> I will be treating.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I took a break from treating for about six years to do management and I, it left me, well, sad, honestly, yeah. you know, like I miss it. Yeah. yeah. So going back to yeah. treating, I quit my job so I could go back to treating, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. It's huge. Yeah. That is awesome. So how in the world are you going to juggle all this stuff?
1: You know, we're just going to do it. And uh, it was funny though, because before I quit, I was working full time and I was traveling to teach full time and I was still kind of doing some stuff on the side. So I was, it was almost like there were still like three baskets that I had to put my eggs in. And so now it's just the baskets have changed. (laughs) Oh, the bathroom has changed. And and I think everybody's way of life is going to look different after we start building pieces again after Corona. So I'm kind of excited to not have a a set set plan and be able to build from here.
0: Yeah. Well, it all fits so well together. So I think, yeah, I know you can do it, but I mean, I always put too much on my plate. So I love to ask (laughs) other people who are doing the same. How are we going to do it?
1: I'm really good at setting my boundaries too. Yeah. Like I'm awesome at that. My mom laughs. She's like, I think you're the only child who cannot be guilt tripped by their parent. Like I'm a real, no, I can't do it right now, but I can do it X, Y, Z. I can't go out. I need time by myself. I'm good at setting those boundaries. So that will, that will serve me, I think.
0: (laughs) I think so too. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to share, any pearls of wisdom, anything peds related, life related,
1: um, since your population is, is a little bit of everybody, I would just say, look to how children develop when you're trying to work with them on movement. I'm not saying everybody has to roll and crawl, uh, but look at those milestones that, and, and what is encompassed in those milestones that helps people be able to move as they do as adults, um, because sometimes those are the gems that people are missing um, in order to help people be pain-free. So from a peds perspective, that's what I say movement-wise. And then I always remember play. Everybody should play. Yes. It doesn't have to look like a child when you play, but you have to do those things that are enjoyable because there are actually pathways in your brain that are responsible for that. So it's important to play. Um, other than that, I would say follow me on,
0: uh,
1: yes. <laughs> on Instagram, on uh, Facebook uh, at dr.jpop. Sign up for my email list because I'm actually about to start talking to them and giving them some good stuff. And, yeah, come rock with Dr. J-Pop. Yeah.
0: All right. I will put all your information in the show notes. Uh, you have to tell them to keep it popping before we go. <laughs>
1: <Keep> <laughs> done. Get it and keep it popping. <laughs>
0: I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope everybody has an awesome week. Uh, This show will actually go out in, I think, two weeks, so we're recording it a little early, but yeah, so y'all go check out Dr. J-Pop. She's not only so smart, but she's fun, and (laughs) she's a great resource for anybody who has or knows kids. Oh, thank Uh, you for having me. You're so welcome. Thanks, everybody.